0: Welcome to Show Some Respect, Tom Whitcomb is talking. Pleasure to be here yet again, live from my neighbor's apartment, before she gets home and kicks us out. I really hope she doesn't find... Surely, this woman is too erudite and too too much of a feminist to, to possibly sit down to listen to a, a, a young straight white man rant in a microphone for half an hour, but if she... By some, by, by some absolute just fluke, decides to listen to my podcast. I mean, she is going to be really confronted by the vitriol that is directed at her, especially the, not the last episode, the one before. I really went hard. I really went, you know, sometimes I'm in the middle of the podcast and I do have this, this little spring of self-awareness in the back of my mind. I was like, wow, this is, this is aggressive. Even for me, this is a bit much. Uh, but you know, you've got to commit to the character. this is what the people are here for. And so, you know, I, I power on. So, uh, oh hey, maybe this is I'm, I'm trying to think of new ways for fan engagement. If you can track down who my neighbor is, all right, I, I'm not gonna give you any more details, all right? But if you can track down who who it is and get the episode to her, I think the content that would come from that, you know, the in the show some respect, Tom Wincombe is talking, drinking game. Every time I say content, you have to you have to do a shot. The content that would come from that might be worthwhile. So look, if you can find her, this is you know you got to track the process as well. You got to got to show me the clues, the steps that you're getting to find. I mean, you know, to be fair, a lot of you are just my friends and, and you've been to my house. So, but then you got to find out which I've. Uh, you the clues are out there. You can work it out. I would be interested to know what she would think. No, I wouldn't. She'd be offended. Of course, she would. I just kind of abused her for being. This is I, This woman. My partner and I have huge disagreements as to how old she is, because uh, I f- at first like was convinced she was in her sixties, and my partner is like she's like late thirties, and I I was just because I, I don't see age, I just feel it, and you should have felt the boomer entitlement energy radiating off this woman, this kind of second wave Simone de Beauvoir feminism, just just I I was pretty convinced she was burning her bra in the sixties, but uh, ac- according to my but my partner, you know, she, 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 she was, she wasn't even, she, she had no need for a bra in the sixties because she was not born yet. But age is but a number, and I'm, I'm given, I'm giving this woman a, a solid, you know, late fifties at, 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 the least. Coming at you live from a this, is, this is this is one of the few a, a rare occurrence and shows some respect. Tom Whitcomb is talking the the do over. The, the rare false start, I, I started I started a podcast, I got three minutes in, I was like, this is bad. This is not good. We need to start again. I've dug myself a hole and it's been less than 90 seconds. And uh, here we are going again, starting fresh. And what I've, what I've learned in past iterations of podcasts I've been on, the fresh start is always a good thing. I will never forget the first podcast that I ever recorded and released with my friend EJ Rivetti, the tremendous podcast, some of you may remember it. I remember the first episode we sat down to do, we were in his little, like, uh, I don't know what you call it, his little spare room in his house. We were sitting there, and within less than 10 minutes, we haven't even reached double digits of minutes of this podcast, we're talking 9-11 conspiracy theories. And we didn't realize that we were both having the same thought at the moment, which is, "Oh, my, are we Are we this podcast? Are we two white dudes or at least one and seven-eighths white dudes, Elliot, is one-eighth Uh, What I would give to be one-eighth Wiridjuri. What I would give to have access to 12.5% of a scholarship. I would have milked that for all it is worth. I, I See, the fear of this, it's the same thing. The 9-11 podcast thing, it's it's all the same. It speaks to the same fear that I have, which is just being a walking, talking stereotype. Because i got to tell you, there is not a day goes by that I don't get served a 23andMe ad on Facebook where I go, oh, could I find some diversity in there somewhere? Could I find, is there something? Is there, did my, is there a chance that my great-grandfather, who was half French, half German, uh, ran away with a Polynesian woman? And, and there's just a little, just a, just an inkling. Just a touch, just a just a pinch of non-colonializer, colonizer. Damn it. This is why I need a bigger team around me who can edit these things out just for my own ego. I hate that I made that word up. I hate getting words wrong because I'm always the first to correct someone else for saying a word that isn't a word, even if it is a word. They'll say a word I haven't heard of and I'll be pretty sure I haven't heard of it, therefore not a word. And they'll go, no, it is a word. And then I got to do that men in black thing where I just wipe their memory so it never comes up again. But no, it's a uh, I'm 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 a hundred percent, i hundred percent white bread. I'm all guilt, I'm all guilt, you know. As if every ethnicity shouldn't be guilty about everything that their ancestors did. I was talking about a friend, like like. All right, for, for, for the guys listening, I've, I've just I've had to do more editing on this podcast than I usually do. I just had to cut out a little bit before where I went on a little bit of a of a rant that seemed in good spirits, but upon reflection, could could uh, come across as quite white supremacist. Uh, and you know that's the that's the the risk you run when you sit down to do a podcast with no plan whatsoever. The first podcast I ever did with Elliot just just getting ten minutes in and realizing we had just done nothing of substance whatsoever. And I think I said, can we start again? And he said, absolutely. And it always ends up better. You get all the shit out of the way. You just cl- you get rid of all the kind of first thought bullshit. You're like, all right, this, this should be better. Although, if you hear the part that I just clipped out of the podcast, you might not be so sure. I was very tempted to go for a third time, but guys, I just, I just don't, I don't have. There's not enough time in the day. If I ki- if I'm going to set a precedent. I'm just going to keep restarting and restarting and restarting to get to you know, vaguely a similar product. What's going on in the world right now? Well, might I say it's Tuesday that this is coming out. Uh, it's the Splendor in the Grass weekend has just has just passed. It's Saturday that I'm recording this, so you've already had Friday cancelled. I don't know what's going to become of Saturday or Sunday, um, but might I say, if you were at Splendor in the Grass over the weekend, and uh, you had a bit of a tough time. It was wet and moist and damp, and you were in shin-deep water, and uh, your, your hands are blistered, and you, uh, you slept in, 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 in moist tents. Take solace in knowing how great you've made the rest of us feel. Take some comfort in knowing that you made my weekend just that much better. Because is there anything more satisfying than seeing people set out to have fun and it go backwards? And it really, to to see people set out to have just what could have been a great weekend and seeing it all capitulate, is there anything better? I've never experienced it. Is there anything more satisfying than seeing the home team lose? in front of a stadium packed full of people. I mean, it's one thing if you're in the opposition, but even as a neutral supporter, if you go to a sporting game and you don't care about the result, but you walk away and you see 75,000 people very disappointed, it doesn't get much better than that. That might be better than seeing your team win. Just seeing a lot of people go out with with, with, with high hopes for how their evening was to plan out and and just catching them on a train after the game, shoulder to shoulder, with a hundred other people equally devastated. Just just reflecting on the fact that we paid hundreds of dollars to be here tonight, and I've gone home devastated. I can't get enough of that. Tap it to my veins. I truly, and I think, splinter in the grass, how many times this year did I think to myself, I would love to go this year? I loved the line. I thought the lineup was spectacular. The three headliners, The Strokes, Gorillas, Tyler the Creator, uh, the, 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 all the Aussie acts are supporting them. A few other international acts, Glass Animals, uh, you know, uh, Amal and the Sniffers. It was a, it was such a great lineup. And I thought, man, I would love to go this year, but I just, I don't know if I can swing it. I've got too many other things going on. It's, it's quite expensive. Boy, did I make the right call. Hey, and you might be one of the other people. If, if you if you went to Splendor in the Grass, please let me know. I'd love to hear about it, unless it ended up being a great time. Unless you ended up having a really good time. Saturday dried up. Sunday was was sunshine. Uh, Tyler Crater put on a great show. You and your friends. You, you persevered through the wet weather, and you actually ended up coalescing around it, and, and it ended up being a truly remarkable weekend. In that case, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear anything about it. It's Saturday, as far as I'm aware. Yesterday looked horrendous. All the music got cancelled. I couldn't have seen the gorillas even if I wanted to. Ideal. Couldn't have gone better for me. That's the world I want to live in. I want two more days of that. Thank you very much. Also, I would like it if you don't get refunds. I would like it if you've sunk a good thousand dollars into this. Uh, and, and I hope that uh, the rain is so bad you can't sleep in your tents. Uh, you wake up Sunday morning irate. Right, you get in an argument with your friend or girlfriend. Uh, some, 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 some real tension starts to simmer. Uh, and and you've paid for the privilege. That would be an ideal scenario for me. I mean, people people say you shouldn't delight in other people's suffering. Um, and I I've never understood why because it's one of the most cost effective ways to enjoy life. Not even just cost effective. It's so efficient. You don't have to do anything. You just keep an eye out for the horrible things happening in other people's lives, and you 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 enjoy it. You make the most of it because after all, if someone is going to suffer, shouldn't it bring some positivity to somebody? Wouldn't you rather know that your suffering is bringing someone else a sense of smugness? And if you, hopefully you get that. And that's what I've come back to. Take solace, Splendor fans. Splendor in the grass attendees, ticket holders, uh, people awaiting refunds that will never come. Take solace in knowing that you have made me slightly less unhappy. I won't say happy, that's a stretch too far. But uh, at the very least, I'm, 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 I'm not as depressed as I, as I might have been otherwise, for now. I would have been an absolute nightmare at Splendour in the Grass. If I had gone, I just know, it. you know how some people are very good at making the best of a bad situation? Not this guy. I, it's a bad situation, uh, you think it's bad now? Wait until you hear me complain about it for the next 45 minutes. I reckon I can make it a lot worse. Uh, you, you say this is a bad situation. But I'm seeing layers of horrendous that you haven't even noticed yet. I'm four days ahead in the negative outcome that's coming from all of this. I'm at Splendid in the Grass, and you, you're still focused on the fact you don't get to see the gorillas tonight. That's a shame. I'm thinking about how this is going to affect my week at work next week. I'm thinking about next weekend. I'm thinking about the financial implications of all this. I'm playing chess, you're playing checkers in the game of unhappiness. I would have been an absolute... You know, you need people in those situations who are going to perk up the spirits. And I've already seen it. I've seen some people at Splendour who were going, you know what, yeah, the music's been cancelled, but you know what we did? We went to the... The the bars were still open, we went and sat around, and we are all in in our wet weather gear, and we... We we laughed about it. We had a good old laugh about, "Oh, God, we've come all this way, we spent all this money and we didn't get to see the gorillas. You know what? We'll we'll play the gorillas on our sound systems and and we'll enjoy that." And and you better believe if I was there, I would be fuming that someone is trying to make the best of a bad situation. I was like, "Guys, I'm trying to wallow over here." All right? I'm trying to focus on how annoying this is. I'm trying to build up a sense of frustration, and you're undermining that at every turn. So it's for, it's in everyone's best interest that I'm not there. I think. I I, I got to say I, I do I do love, Schadenfreude. I know it's one of those. I think we it's the most classic example of the you know we don't have a word for it Schadenfreude the German word which is taking delight in someone else's unhappiness. What a what a German concept ruthlessly efficient even emotionally the Germans and that's why I love them and that's why I this is the other thing I want to talk about I, I'm a I'm a big reddit guy big fan of Reddit to the shock of nobody who knows what reddit is uh, big big fan and one of my favorite what am I Reddit serves you so the, for those that are uninitiated the way that reddit works, Reddit is basically a, a collection of forums, a collection of internet forums, so you know how there might be an internet forum for uh, gardening enthusiasts, for bodybuilding, for a TV show, all of it in one, under one masthead of Reddit. And Reddit just kind of serves you the, the subreddits, those are the forums, they think you're interested in, and you should see mine. Mine is all, it's all schadenfreude. There must be a Schadenfreude subreddit. And if not, I don't, if there is, I don't know why I'm not getting served it because that's that's right up my alley. But I've been watching some videos of people. I saw a video the other day. There's a subreddit called Public Freakout, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's people freaking out in public. I saw a video of a guy get a little bit too much road rage and shoot a handgun at the other car seven times. Uh, and there was this one the other day of this guy... Punching an eleven-year-old girl in the face with the utmost ferocity—it was not not just like he he punched this eleven-year-old girl uh, like his life depended on it. He like he punched her as hard as he would punch anybody. I almost admired uh, the lack of prejudice of this man. He punched her like a fully grown man. And uh, she she fell like a stunt dummy. You know, you know when you see, you know when you see uh, behind the scenes footage of like John Wick or whatever, and they they throw those mannequins off the top off the top of buildings. It was like that. She just collapsed. It was something to behold. And the fu- and the funniest part was, I mean, it, uh, the funny the funniest part feels problematic that I just said that of all the funny parts of that. Look, I'm not I'll I'll be honest. It was visceral. It was shocking. It was pretty confronting. But pretty much every comment below the video was some some version of I think she might have deserved it, which is just how the internet works, isn't it? That is I mean, to be fair, that's a sense of empathy, albeit misplaced. Of all the people to be empathetic in that video, probably You'd think you would tend towards empathy for the uh, 11-year-old girl who just got Mike Tyson, uh, who's just forgotten her ninth birthday. But no, uh, it, it it goes to the fully, aggro- a fully grown adult white man who just, just absolutely left-hooked the fuck out of a, a near-toddler, not far off. And they were like, you know... Yes, he shouldn't have hit her that hard, but she should have left well enough alone. Really, she, she, and she, she did like she put her jukes up. She did. She put both hands up. She was ready to fight, and uh, not as ready as he was, as it turns out. On on Tuesday, I'll I'll uh, I, maybe I'll share this video in my uh, on my social media. That's a good thing. There we go. Uh, on it'll be my story on Tuesday night. I'll put this up in my story so you can you can all see it. Hey, how's that for some engagement? Oh my word. It is. It is. It is something. It is truly something. The other thing that came up, I read Reddit the other day, which I thought was just hilarious, uh, was I think it was in Brazil. Was it? No, it was Mexico. It was Mexico. It was a. It was a post funeral wake, and uh, the caption was something like um, a group of Mexican friends uh, had to bury their friend who loved soccer, so they decided to let him score one last goal, one last time. And it's in an inside. It's an indoor soccer pitch. And there's a goal and a goalkeeper and there's like a crowd of guys around wearing football shirts and in the middle of it is a coffin. And the coffin is at an angle, kind of like uh, like, a, like a pinball lever and uh, I think they might have even had a referee there. It was all very official. And uh, they pass the ball around a little bit. They pass to this guy, who then boots it into the side of the coffin, and it rebounds the coffin into the bottom right corner goal. And uh, they they celebrate with uh, with as as only the South Americans can, with a with a lust for life that does not exist in the European cultures. And uh, I say European, I mean Anglo, really. Let's be honest. Isn't it, really? Uh, the, the, the Those of us from, a, from an Anglicized background, whether it be American... Uh, actually, Americans can celebrate. I went to a rodeo in Dallas once and you should have seen these people react to getting a free T-shirt. It was... It, it, it was as if everyone was getting healthcare. It was like every one of those T-shirts came with a guarantee you're not going to die of a preventable illness. That was how they reacted To this, I went to the Dallas Rodeo t-shirt. But us, I don't know what it is about Brits and Australians. We just can't, we just, you know. We have a very narrow emotional range in either direction. She'll be right comes with heavy consequences, which is she'll be right, but she'll never be great. She'll be fine. Everything's fine. But not the Mexicans. These guys went nuts for this choreographed football coffin move. It was, I mean, so many questions. How do they get the coffin there? Like, it's in the mid, like, is this pre or post funeral? And it's and it seemed like a very emotional moment for something, which, I don't know, it just seemed very... It seems like one of those things, like, whose idea was that? I, if I was sitting in the room and one of my friends said that, I would laugh it off as if, oh, yeah, that's a pretty funny concept. And then when you would find out, it's like, so... You come into the futsal, come to the futsal stadium tonight. Jose scoring his final goal. Like we're actually doing that. We're transporting a funeral to the local YMCA so we can rebound a football of it into a football off it into a goal. Are we really going to do that? We really think this is worthwhile and look, to be fair to them, it went viral. And uh, I think that's what Jose really wanted. Who gets to post the video? Who gets the social media likes? Who gets all the notifications? That's the question that I have, because at the end of the day, that's the real winner in all of this. Yeah, we can say it's about Jose's final goal. Let's be honest. It's about who. It's about those sweet, sweet likes. That's what it all comes down to. I did a gig last night. Did a gig. Uh, my only gig of the week was a bit of a weird one. I was meant to do a gig on Thursday night. Got cancelled at the last minute. It's a shame. And it is amazing how stand-up comedy. They say this that you you do just uh, lose your confidence in your ability so quickly. It's amazing just how any sense of self-belief diminishes so so rapidly. You haven't made people laugh for forty-eight hours. You you be in a question like, did I did I ever do it at all? Um, and uh, I get there. It's a Conseller's. Can on Friday and Saturday nights in Oxford Street. If you are, uh, if you're a Sydney local, you should get down there. It's a really, really fun comedy room. It's uh, always got decent acts. It's pretty, it's pretty fun and loose. Like it's not a, it's not the most professional run show in the world, but it is. It's always you see something interesting, something happens, and uh, there was this group of like eight to ten dudes. One of them came up to me and told me he apparently he he likes my stuff. I've met him at gigs before. He's like a comedy fan. Uh, and he, he said, he said, Oh, I just want to say, I really, I really love your stuff. Keep going. It's great stuff. Uh, your podcast is doing well. And, uh, when he said that it, it it seemed like he was saying it in a consoling sort of way to me, it was like, Hey, don't listen to what the numbers, statistics and, and objective truth of your podcast. It's doing well. I'm like, I beg to differ. But uh, look, no, I, I should, those of you who listen, I appreciate it. I know those who listen really like it. And that means, I, it's insane to me. It's insane to me that people enjoy this because uh, it just like, it, on paper, it makes no sense. On paper, it's like, hey, did you listen to that guy talk for 30 minutes the other day? Oh, that guy, what does the guy do? Pretty much what we do. Plus a little bit of stand-up comedy on the side. Uh, but otherwise, he just has a job and he just kind of talks. Like, oh, is he he famous? Does he have famous people on it? No. Does he have experiences with, like, celebrities that we can't relate to? Not really. Does he talk about things with a unique perspective? No, most people share his perspective. Most of it is talking about things happening in the news and videos he saw on Reddit. Right. And you listen to this every week, every week. And you're not related to him. Oh, no, 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 I'm his mother. Ah, that makes sense. But no, thank you for listening. Uh, and I, I'm interested if that guy, if you, uh, if, if if you're listening to this, shoot me a DM. I'm I'm interested because he kind of said it. He said it in a way that made me think. I don't think he really listens to it. I think he just appreciates the fact it exists. And hey, who am I to uh, to diminish any feedback, really? But uh, but anyway, he he was there with all of his mates, and it was like eight dudes who. I didn't go to school with, but I might as well ha- as well have. I went to I went to school with like seven versions of them. You know how like there's that uh that trope especially in cartoons where like, like you know like in the Simpsons, you know in the Simpsons where they go to Shelbyville and they find that like there's that entire group of boys that are just exactly like them but just with a different colored shirt on. That was it was my group of friends. In bizarro world where they grew up on the other side of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, you know, where they lived in a in a in a multi million dollar house in Waverley rather than Warragul. That's the only difference. These these are people from from my way of life uh, entirely. And to be fair, they were great. They were great in the crowd. They were very very generous. They were laughing at everybody with everybody it wasn't particularly like sometimes i can get a little bit broy and it can be a little bit judgmental but it wasn't they were they were a, they were a good crowd but i was like ah oh, this data is useless this nothing that i nothing i need to i need to make a special effort to pay attention to everyone at the crowd that isn't them because they're going to laugh at everything. And there is something about, like, I'm not trying to say this in, in, in like, a it, I don't know if this comes across in an arrogant way. It's not what I intend. But it's like they're going to laugh at everything I say because everything is said with a vague undertone of misogyny, ideally ironic, but that's in the eye of the beholder. And I, it's, I'm like, maybe they'll get the irony, or maybe they'll think it's funny that I'm mentioning that women get paid less. They might just, that might be enough. Um, and sure enough, I had, I've got, I've got every, I feel like every comedy hour that I do has a gender wage gap joke in it because the gender pay gap is very funny. And, uh, Wouldn't you believe they loved it. And I was like very intently scanning the crowd for other women's reactions. There was one woman in the crowd who really liked it. And uh, hey, if you're listening to this, you have free tickets for life. This is what I'm going to have to do. When I tell misogynistic jokes, I need to keep an eye on the women that like it. And immediately after the show, I need to form a deep connection with them. So they come to every show I ever do. Just as a form of self reassurance that this is not something deeply offensive to all women, I need to build a shield of women who will tell people I'm being ironic, even though I'm not entirely sure. I'm pretty sure I'm being. I think I am, but who's to say? Uh, and there were there were just there were there were a few jo- there were a few jokes. There's a joke that I have. It's a joke that I have at the moment. It was the first time I told it. And it's like, it's a joke that I've thought about. And it makes me laugh quite a lot. Like, I, it's uh, it's, uh, it's it's something that uh, really, really tickles my funny bone. Which is why I came up with it and say it. But I've only, I've, I'd never told it before. I'd only told it once. And uh, I told it. And even the girl who laughed at the gender pay gap joke didn't laugh at this one. But the boys fucking frothed on it. And uh, oh, I felt so dirty. I'm like, I don't know. I do not know about this. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure if this is. I'm not sure if I'm. Is this really ironic? Or would I just really like it to be? This is the thing everyone tells me about. This is. This is. All right, this is your little peek behind the curtain into the world of aspiring stand up comedian. I've had multiple people tell me it's like you got to start thinking about who your fans are. And I'll be interested to know because in theory if you're listen to this you're one of them and I would love to know where you think you sit on this on this spectrum actually this is a thing again DM me tell me what you think about this I so there's a few comedians that I've heard of who like oh so Jim Jeffries is a classic one. We're full comedy nerd chat now if, if this is, doesn't float your boat that you know have a great week it's been lovely to have you here but if you want if you want to hear some comedy nerd shit, stick around uh, Jim Jeffries used to be my favourite comedian. Jim Jeffries... For those of you who don't know, Jim Jeffries is probably the most successful Australian comedian of all time, I would say. He, in terms of, like, global success, had his own show in the US, had huge, huge following in the UK, obviously had his gun control bit go crazy. Like, he's a, he's a big deal. And when he started, so much of his stuff was so anti-women. And I... Loved it. I thought it was the funniest fucking thing in the world. I I I just like if you go go back and find there's two there's two specials of, of Jim Jefferies that really talk to this. There's one called Alcoholicost. Amazing name. Imagine having a show called Alcoholicost. What a oh comedy peaked that year. And the one before that, I don't remember the name of it. Um and there's some stuff in there which is just so on the nose, but so funny. It it made, uh, And the year that I found Jim Jefferies, I was living overseas. I saw him at the Edinburgh Fringe because I was living in Edinburgh that year. And I had a whole bunch of friends come and stay with me in Edinburgh. And when they would stay, I would force them to watch this Jim Jefferies special. And being 18-year-old private school boys, we all loved it. It was like... And we got so, like, just just addicted to this guy's point of view it was it was the best i loved it so much and i just thought it was the funniest thing to make fun of women i thought it was just because it was so silly to me there is something so silly about making fun of 50 percent of the population and to me the joke has always been what a ridiculous thing to say that all women are stupid what a ridiculous perspective and that doesn't always come through Ah. And so, apparently, Jim Jeffries. I've heard, I don't know if this is true or not, but I've heard that Jim Jeffries in Australia especially, Australia does have this weird, like, Australia does not have a big culture of stand-up comedy. We don't really watch it that much. It's not a big part of us. Compared to places in the UK and the US, you think about it, Sydney only has one dedicated comedy club in the entire city. The rest of them are pubs that have comedy on. There's only one place where it's, like, built and made just for comedy. If there's no comedy happening, there's nothing happening in that venue. The Comedy Store in Park. Everything else is a pub. So you're just getting punters who are on there night out and like, fuck it, we'll go see some comedy. I guess I've watched Netflix before. And so I think a lot of Aussie comic fans, a lot of Aussie comedian audiences, they just assume... They're like, oh, well, this is just a guy talking about the way he thinks. Like, it is kind of like, I guess it's just a TED talk, but funny. And so apparently I've heard, I don't know this true, that Jim Jeffries did not like his Australian audience for a long time because he attracted this group of dudes who just thought he was being honest. It was just like, finally, there's a guy telling it like it is. Women are idiots. They're all sluts. Finally, someone has the balls to say it. When he's doing a thing, like there's a layer to it. There's some irony, but no one picked up on that. And I've had more and more people be like, you don't want to be in a position where you hate your audience. You don't want to be in a position. And I've seen, it, if you watch the, the new Bill Burr special on Netflix, which is great, but he's being very vulnerable in parts and he's being very ironic in other parts. And there, you can tell there is a subset of the audience who just don't get it, who, woo, or laugh or clap at the wrong points, just not quite on the wavelength. And if you were getting those people all the time and you were trying to make a point about one thing, but they just weren't getting it, can you imagine how annoying that would be? And those are the people, those are your bosses. It's like having a thousand bad bosses. Every single night you have to go out and serve these people who you you have no respect for. I would hate that. And so I, it's this whole thing I'm trying to deal with. It's like, how do you make it clear what it is you're trying to do? Because if people are laughing at the wrong time at the wrong stuff and they think you're saying something you're not, it is the, it's, it's the worst. You'd almost like, I don't, I don't care if you're getting that reaction from people who don't like you. If it's people who are taking you at face value and they think you're a dick for it, whatever, fine. But if it's someone who's taking you on face value, and they love you for it, that's no good. That's a real worry. So that's what I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure this out. I mean, I'm trying to find the balance of this podcast. Like, I like to give you guys a little look behind the curtain. At the end of the day, the thing that I do is stand-up comedy, like, that's the thing that I provide. I'm not a YouTuber. I've tried putting this stuff on YouTube. No one gives a shit. I'm not saying, I'm not giving you hot takes on things. I'm just, like, I'm just prattling on but hopefully some little look behind the curtain as to the stand-up comedy process whatever that but that's what i'm trying to work out at the moment how do i make that clear how do i do comedy in a way where it's clear that i don't believe at face value the things i'm saying about women you know obviously i believe all the things i'm saying about other races and people with disabilities but when it comes to women Oh, here's I, I, the whole time. I'm like, how am I gonna end this on something funny? All right, but this is this is something I will say. My partner worked at her old company. This is this is you'll see where it's going. My company, my partner worked at her old company. One of her clients was uh, some Saudi Arabian government uh, organization, and I can't remember this exact. I'm not gonna get this quite right, but uh, <laughs> the one of the departments that she worked alongside was the Department of People with Disabilities and Women. (laughs) That's comedy. That is comedy. Now, are the Saudi Arabian government, are they being ironic? How will we ever know? But uh, I'm going to assume so, and in that vein, I am a huge fan of the Saudis. Go Newcastle United. And with that, on a very long rambling episode, and you know, I really could just say episode, couldn't I? But that's that brings us towards the end of Shows from Respect, Tom Whitcomb is talking. Yet another episode in the can. Thanks for coming along for the ride as you always do. If you're at Splendour in the Grass on the weekend, I hope you had an awful time. And if you did, let me know. And if you had a surprisingly delightful time, keep it to yourself. But until next time, I'm going to leave it there. Have a great week. I'll see you next week. On Show Some Respect, Tom Whitcomb is talking. Farewell.